It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I love 40s. How's it going? Welcome to episode number 609. Yeah, that's what it is. 609 of Locked on Raptors for Friday, November 22nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley. Sean, find the show at Locked on Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked on Podcast Network. We have so much stuff for you to listen to across the board. Pretty much every team in the big four leagues and NCAA covered uh, some MLB shows and NHL shows that aren't covered yet, but most of the teams you like do have a local team-focused show for you to check out, and please subscribe to, rate, and review all the shows in the network that you want to support. It's a very nice way to help us out with rankings and all that stuff, so thank you in advance for taking the time. All right, on today's show, this Friday is the second off day in a row. There's not a whole lot to talk about, but the Raptors did practice, so there's a little bit of news that came out of it, and joining me to talk about that was a man who I believe was at practice. It's Vivek Jacob. What's up, pal? Ah, not much. Just uh, another day. It's, it's not often you get two days off with a Raptor, so mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, putting together a Raptors report on everything the Raptors have done over the first 14 games. Uh, I figured this break in the schedule was a good time to put it out, so it should be out in the next uh, couple of hours. And, right on. Yeah, just looked at a bunch of different stuff and you know, for example, the Raptors being the best three-point shooting team in the league, something I didn't anticipate going in uh, after losing Kawhi and Danny, but that's pretty cool. Uh, the Raptors are the best transition team in the league that I think most people saw coming. And uh, yeah, just uh, just stuff like that to look at and what the sort of maybe uh, potential red flags down the road, because obviously the sample sizes are small right now. Yeah, I guess it is sort of an interesting time to take stock of where things are with the team because they do seem like they're on the verge of getting some bodies back and that will sort of change the complexion. And really, you talk about the small sample sizes, there's sort of like small samples within the small sample because of sort of the yeah. fractured nature of the season with Kyle going out, I think only played eight games or seven games um, and then mm-hmm. having to sort of weather this time without him and then Ibaka obviously goes down in the same game. So it's kind of been two different teams that have gone 10 and four and both of them have been very good teams. So I'm not sure if there's anything to be worried about or anything like that. Um, You mentioned the three point shooting. That's something that I haven't really addressed that much on the show because it hasn't really felt all that insane to me. And maybe that's me just not putting enough credence in it, but like the, the three point shooting when we came into the season, I, yeah, you're right with Kawhi and Danny leaving. I do think we kind of expected a bit of a drop off, but I don't know when you're looking up and down the roster, like, yes, there are some guys who I think might regress a little bit. Like, OG's not going to shoot north of 50% all year long. That's not going to happen. But, you know, I don't know how unsustainable a lot of this shooting is. And there might even be a couple of guys who could see a bit of an uptick. I mean, like Pascal Siakam, I think 
I'm not sure how much this last couple of weeks without Kyle has really sort of hindered his ability to get those wide open threes that he was early on. I think it's probably quite a bit. You know, a lot of his threes are a little bit more difficult right now, and he's had a bit of a tailspin from three. Um, and maybe that's just like re- regression to the 36% or so that we should have expected him to be at. But I don't know. The way that he shot early on in the season had me believing he could be something closer to like a 38, 39, even 40% shooter, uh, considering how difficult those looks were, most of them coming above the break. Uh, you figure a little bit more balance with the corner versus above the break and sort of the stroke coming along for him, and maybe that wasn't super unattainable. Is there some someone or is there a red flag? Not to spoil your piece or anything, we can just use this as promotion for your piece. Um, is there <laughs> a red flag? Is there someone on the team who's shooting you think is unsustainable? Uh, and you know how real do you think the three point shooting is so far? Because it has been ludicrous. Um, no, I don't. I don't think there's any red flags. I mean, this is one thing I make clear in the piece because obviously we know that as soon as someone reads something negative about the team that. You know, they get out and put out their staunch defenses and go all OG Ananobi on us. So um, this is more just, you know, something that I've noticed, something to pay attention to down the road. Um, The three-point shooting, frankly, is not one of the things that I'm concerned about. Uh, I I think one of the things I've made a point about OG uh, in the piece is, yeah, the 52% that he's at right now is definitely going to come down. You don't expect Mm -hmm. that to last a whole season. But what is very encouraging is the shot selection. And um, he's honestly just taking very good shots all the time. Um, I'm actually going back to my piece right now. And he's taken, you know, over uh, uh, 108 field goals this season. And basically three of them have come in the mid-range. Everything is in the paint or at the Mm three-point line. And they're good three-point looks like can you even picture an OG fadeaway? You really can't, right? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, again, uh, the 52 will come down, but what does it come down to, right? Does he shoot 40-plus uh, for the season? I think that's on the table. I think he could be a 40-plus shooter, you know, somewhere in that 40 to 42 range for the season. Um, with Siakam, he's at 35.6 right now. Mm-hmm. Um Sure. I mean, in terms of the the shooting stroke and everything, I could definitely see, see him be a 38, 39% guy. But I wouldn't be surprised if he just stayed at 36, 37 for the season. And I'm perfectly okay with that because of um, the above-the-break shooting that he's taking. I think that's important for the offense that he is taking those above-the-break threes where now you can get other guys like OG in the corner and taking their preferred shots um and you know let's face it he's going to be getting the ball at the top of the arc a a lot and so that's just going to be a shot that he needs to continue to take so um in terms of getting into something that i'm going to be sort of monitoring going down the road uh that is so i've looked at the raptors offense versus teams um that have a positive net rating. And then I've looked mm-hmm. at the Raptors offense against teams with a negative net rating. Um, Cause I know the, the plus, the plus 500 records, the, the below 500 records can kind of be misleading as well. So um, against teams with a positive net rating, um, their half court offense goes from producing 103 points to 87. And so that's huh. something I just want to see. Uh, as we get a larger sample size. 
um, if that's a trend that continues. And so obviously, you know, when you, when you think of that, when you think of the games, you think of the game in Milwaukee, you think of the Clippers game, obviously that has a big caveat with Kyle and Serge not being there, second night of a back-to-back. Um, and then you think of the Dallas game as well. And, you know, I think sometimes uh, Siakam's had matchups. We've seen whether he's gone up against Anthony Davis, Jonathan Isaac. Those are matchups that have kind of posed a problem for him. Um, and so we talk about this superstar uh, elevating himself to superstar status. You know, I think uh, the one thing we recognize about superstars is that they are truly matchup proof. Mm-hmm. And so I have some numbers. There is a you know a bit, a bit of a difference between Siakam's numbers uh, between those teams, and so I get into that in the piece. And again, this is just something that I've noticed, and for now, it's just worth keeping in mind till we get a bigger sample size, and then potentially see if it's a bigger concern. This lockdown podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Yeah, definitely. I think if there was ever a concern about Pascal and his new role this season, it was going to be, you know, sort of playoff, you know, the, the context of the playoffs, right? And whether or not he'd be able to go up against sort of sturdy defenses that are keyed in on stopping him more than anybody else. And, yeah. you know, while the last couple of weeks have been very sort of unique because they haven't had Kyle and Serge to help take off of that pressure from, from Siakam offensively, you know, there is still, you know, like with him being the very clear top target for defenses, it has been a bit of a struggle. We've seen his efficiency fall off and maybe we're kind of cooling the jets a little bit on the whole, like, Oh, he's a top 10 player already type of thing. Um, you know, his defense has still been great. His playmaking is coming around. He's, you know, not fouling as much anymore. Like he's fixed a lot of the things that have gone wrong. Um, but I'm curious to see in a larger sample the you know as we get a larger sample with Kyle in particular how much that disparity mm-hmm. sort of grows as to whether or not he's only succeeding with Kyle next to him or if, if he can do it on his own because I'm sure Kyle's going to get some rest days and stuff throughout uh, the rest of the season too so that is certainly something to watch um, and I, I, all of this I think speaks to how good Kyle is <laughs> how much easier he makes it for everybody um, and that's you know obvious thing number one to say but uh yeah it's something to keep an eye on for sure because you know the 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 step into being a superstar and being matchup proof even though no one is truly matchup proof i know there's always people who have like their little sort of kryptonite players but you know being as close to it as possible is important and you know i think we've seen more than a few kryptonite type of players for siak i mean even though i have found that against the likes of say jonathan isaac uh and some of the other guys they've come across i mean it seems like he's figured it out as games have gone along which is encouraging and i think i think nick nurse has done a good job of trying to figure out ways to get siakam the ball 
um, in more productive ways than just driving it into the teeth of Jonathan Isaac over and over again, which was kind of what they did for the whole first half against the Magic. Um, and then they kind of ran a little Terrence Davis, Siakam pick and roll in the fourth quarter of that game as they were testing things out when it was out of reach. And that was nice to see that he had some more success out of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, and that speaks to another guy too. Like, like, like Pascal is not maybe a, a traditional on-ball number one guy. Like he might need to be. This sort of goes back to my like Anthony Davis uh, comparison where maybe he needs someone to be a pick and roll operator with him to really bring out the best of him. Like he can do it on his own, but having someone there to help him with it is maybe the ideal situation. And that's not like it's a bad thing or anything. Siakam still rules, um, but it's certainly something to keep in mind. Uh, yeah, but like I'll, just to go circle back to the three-point shooting very quickly, the sort of the 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 thing that I that encourages me, and even if there is some guys who are going to regress, I mean, like there are still some guys who also I think are going to regress positively. Like Norm Powell, for example, was forty percent last year. He's at like thirty three so far this year. I feel like he's closer to forty based on what we've seen uh, over the course of his career and what his role is going to be on this team. Um, and so. With that, the, the reason I'm optimistic that they can stay near the top of the league in three-point percentage, whether they're number one or not, I don't know. But the reason I feel pretty good about it is like the process of their offense is great. And they are constantly creating very good looks. And they have guys who will pass up okay looks to create better looks. And it doesn't really ever feel like they're settling. And it doesn't feel like they're kind of wasting clock looking for one look. It feels like they're, you know, they're, they're taking their time and they're sort of getting, giving themselves options because they're getting into it quickly. They run a lot. That's, you know, that creates a lot of open threes too. Uh, and so the process behind all their threes is certainly something I, I don't hate and I think should help them maintain that, that ridiculous efficiency they've had from outside. Uh, before we continue on, we're going to talk about the injury updates that came out of practice today. I want to tell people about my bookie attention, past, present, and future of my bookie players during Thanksgiving week. My bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the bears lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. And if you win, congrats, you've got extra holiday money to spend. If you lose though, congrats to you as well, because my bookie's giving you all of that money back. It's a no brainer because you literally can't lose. It's no risk. All great. Maybe it doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come play, so quit waiting around and sign up today. If you're a betting idiot like me where you don't know what a spread really is or what it means to say to see the thing like plus 200, I don't know what that means. Don't worry about it because my bookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is if you join this Thanksgiving week, you still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer in addition to that risk-free bet. Just log on to mybookie.ag and make your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDONNBA and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll and that's on top of the risk-free bet. Let me repeat, that's a guaranteed deposit match and the risk-free Thanksgiving bet. So if you're a true football fan or if you're a basketball fan who wants to bet on some hoops, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply can't lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get in on the action with my bookie. You play, you win, and you get paid. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Vivek. So at practice today, there were some updates from... 
the team, I guess, regarding the injuries that the team is dealing with right now. Most notably, Serge Ibaka seems like he might be back pretty soon. He's listed as doubtful for the game in Atlanta tomorrow, but he will travel with the team, which is very encouraging. And it sounds like maybe Monday against the Sixers at the latest. Uh, what is your sort of read on this? Do you think Monday's in play for him? Do you think even tomorrow potentially potentially is in play? I mean, I know he was up there taking shots and stuff. Uh, and, you know, I guess on top of that, what do you think this means for the rotation? Uh, you know, we've seen such good uh, production from the likes of Chris Boucher and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and Gasol seems to have kind of found his footing a little bit recently too. Uh, what do you think the return of Ibaka is going to mean as all these guys start sliding back down the ladder a little bit? Yeah, as far as a return is concerned, uh, I don't think he will play against Atlanta. Nick Nurse said that he wanted uh, Serge to at least get uh, a full practice in before he does get back on the court. And mm-hmm. he got some shots up, but he did not practice uh, today. And so I think uh, Monday against Philly might be a possibility, although it would be interesting to see if they just hold him off for that just because it is... Joel Embiid, they can go either way, right? It's like, okay, yeah, we, we really need you against Embiid. Uh, they also don't want to ruin way. Ben Simmons' psyche, you know. <laughs> Too soon. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Save that for the playoffs. Um, and so, yeah. And so I think Monday is definitely a more realistic po- possibility uh, than Saturday. But at the same time, if they play Saturday night, um, they don't get a practice in Sunday, you know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play uh, Monday either. Um, just because of the physicality that's going to come with playing against Embiid. And I don't know if that's the ideal first game back from injury. You know what I mean? Um, but I can see why for emotional reasons he would want to be out there in the first game against Philly since that series. So, yeah. Um, ideally, he'll be back on Monday because the Raptors could certainly use that win and can certainly use uh, his capabilities on the floor. And uh, as far as the rotation is concerned, um, yeah, I think Boucher's made a very interesting case for himself. Um, I think he's sort of figure out what he's best at uh, on an NBA floor where he's not thinking as much and he's just playing. And, um, you know, one of the things I said before on this podcast was, you know, it'd be nice if he could have a bit more of that solid play and, uh, you know, what is he doing outside of the highlight reels? But I think he's just sort of gone all in on the highlights and just said, hey, this is what I am. This is what I do, you know, whether it's five minutes, whether it's 15 minutes. And so I think uh, regardless of what his role is when Surge comes back, it, it'll obviously be smaller than what it is right now. Um, I think he's understood how he fits this team and how he fits in the NBA. So uh it will be positive uh for him no matter what yeah i think i mean you could do a lot worse than chris boucher being your fourth or fifth big if you're considering ronde a big um yeah like that like he's been awesome and it'll be a shame to see him not maybe get that same run uh, but also maybe they do give him that run. Maybe they go with like a straight bench unit like i mean it's possible it might be a little bit tight for shooting but they could in theory once everyone's back run like a 
you know, one of the point guards, whether it's Kyle or Fred with like Norm, Rondé, Boucher and, uh, and Ibaka, or you could have Davis be the point guard there and just go straight a five man bench unit. Like that's not totally out of the question or if, you know, if Norm has played himself into a starting role, which I don't think he has because Fred's also been very good here. Um, then maybe you sort of have another wing that's taken care of uh, and you, you can just sort of roll out the Fred Terrence Davis and then all, and then the, the big long jumpy front court <laughs> you know there, there's options here and I think Nick Nurse is going to be creative and I think he would be remiss if he wasn't trying to get Boucher minutes because look this is a team that's kind of old at, at its top end of the roster and you know Gasol and Ibaka are going to need some rest at some point you would think and you know I, I mean Gasol in particular could use a bit of a scale down in his minutes because he's carried such a heavy load since Ibaka went down so I'm assuming he'll get you know, if he goes from 29 to 32 or whatever he's been playing lately to down to 25 or 26, and you can kind of find a way to massage in eight to 10 Boucher minutes for some energy. I don't think that's a terrible idea. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe Nurse gets a little creative with going super big. I mean, they have the horses to do it. And Siakam has played enough three this season, sort of nominal three next to like Rondé uh, and some other guys in there that maybe you're comfortable with him there. You know, his handle is improved. Maybe he's just a three in some lineups. And then you can go insanely big and go, you know, with like Lowry, OG, Siakam, and then whatever collection of bigs you want uh, to try to get guys some run. Because look, I, like, I know... Coaches like to have their their dudes who they trust, but I, I think you know Boucher's proven that he can be one of those guys. If he's going to lean in on this energy role thing, which is clearly what he's done, I I don't see why he should lose all of his minutes here. And you know, there's going to be opportunity again. Injuries happen. There will be more chances for him to get in there. But uh, I, I I think you know he he's, he deserves some. Let me ask you this. I mean, Rondé and Boucher have both been very good. I think Rondé probably offers a little bit more in terms of. Um, versatility with his skill set and his passing and things like that. Um, would you, you know, take away any Rondé minutes at the four in lieu of playing Boucher there? Huh. Um, you know, I think that might go back to what Nurse said earlier in the season about these guys being plug and play options and it all being about the matchup, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, with Philly coming into town. And if they've got Joel Embiid and Al Horford on the court, then I think it probably makes more sense to have uh, Boucher have some four minutes. Mm-hmm. And then when when you've got a matchup against, say, Boston, where they're filled with forwards and not necessarily quite as much size, then, you know, you probably look at more Rondé minutes at the four. Yeah, so no, that, that I makes think sense. It will be, I think it will be sort of matchup exclusive. Um, once you have a fully healthy roster. Yeah, it's uh, one of them good problems for sure. And I like now that Nurse has all these little weird tools and all these like kooky little players he has that have kind of shown uh, that they're worthy of minutes, I think we're going to see some very bizarre lineups. And I frankly relish it because like, I don't know, could you see like a Siakam running point with like, Terrence Davis and OG and like a Rondé Boucher front court, like a Rondé, like you can get all kinds of weird because they just have like a bunch of big dudes who jump around and play defense. It's kind of exciting. Like, is there like a weird lineup in particular that you'd like to see that like maybe you've sort of conceived in your brain that, you know, once everyone's healthy, you'd like to see rolled out? I mean, for defensive purposes, whether it's 
Kyle or Fred or Terrence um, on the floor with uh, Siakam, OG, uh, Rondé, and Mark or Serge, you know, mm-hmm. the, those, those, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty fun defensive lineup. But again, you know, they have so many defensive options. Did I even mention OG? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. They have all good defensive players at Matt Thomas. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think defensively there's so many different ways they can go. Um, it's just, I think, a question of do you have enough playmakers out there uh, to sort of have have the ball movement that you need? Because, again, I, it, now I keep going back to sort of what, what does the half-court offense look like? And mm-hmm. so do you have enough playmaking in there between a Siakam, a Gasol, a Lowry, a Van Vliet, um to sort of help space the floor, uh, to find cutters, uh, and to get some easy baskets that way. For sure. Um, it's the nice thing. Like, I like how you mentioned the Siakam Van Vliet, uh, sorry, the Siakam Lowry, uh, Gasol kind of triumvirate, because I feel like those three mixed with any collection of the guys they have, either at the wing or in the backcourt or at the four, like is going to create good results. And, and like the flexibility on hand here is nuts. Like it's, it's kind Mm -hmm. of, remarkable considering where we were a couple weeks ago thinking oh man they only have seven or eight guys that are even sort of useful and one of them is Patrick McCaw and now like where does Patrick McCaw even fit in when he comes back like it just doesn't seem like there's going to be very obvious minutes for him considering the contributions of Rondé and Boucher and even you know Terrence Davis and even Matt Thomas to to a lesser extent like Matt Thomas might have more utility than Patrick McCaw does right now because of his shooting um it's uh again one of them good problems and I, I I wonder if maybe this sort of gives the green light. And I think I can't remember if it was us that talked about this. It might've been me and Wolf on last week talking about the Raptors defense and how they're selling out to stop stars and sending to and rotating so aggressively and how tiresome that is. I wonder if maybe having so many bodies kind of gives them a green light to be a little bit more aggressive and more sort of balls to the wall with their defense, uh, which sounds terrifying if I'm another team thinking about playing the Raptors. But if you know that, you know, you're not going to have to play Gasol and Ibaka 32 minutes or whatever, whatever it is. And you can, you know, trim that down and have Rondé and Boucher come in and bounce off the walls for, you know, 10, 15 minutes at a time to sort of take away some of that burden. That's uh that's pretty exciting, man. Like, it, and I think that might be the way to success for this team in the half court as well, right? or not, not in the half court, but on offense as well to sort of maintain how good they've been offensively, you know, the, the having the defense be so chaotic and, you know, forcing turnovers and, you know, just causing chaos leading to the crazy transition game they have, like nothing bad can happen from that. And if you have more bodies that allows you to play that much more aggressively over the course of 48 minutes, that uh, certainly sounds something like pretty appealing to me. If I'm Nick nurse, it's <laughs> just like constantly having a bunch of crazy people to, to rotate in and out to go and uh, and just cause havoc. Yeah, and I think that's that's just that plays right into Nick's hands, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the whole sort of everyone being comfortable with being uncomfortable—that was sort of a big theme of last year. And they're going to try some different things, and um, you know, you, you might not be a full-time starter. You might have to be in this timeshare uh, in the in the starting lineup, and um, you could have things change even as late as the finals. I mean, Danny Green started. 
all season and then you get to the finals and it's like hey fred van vliet is guarding the shit out of steph curry and <laughs> you know we that, that's just what you need to roll with so i think i think nick's a guy that you know when he finds that something's working he'll stick with it he'll ride the hot hand um and frankly for people who for the players who earn minutes he, he sort of finds a way to get them those minutes and so with the bench you know i think they've done what they can to earn the opportunity terrence davis chris boucher ronde hollis jefferson those are probably the three that stand out um and then from there i think you know it's it's going to be very much plug and play yep uh agreed there we don't have much time left here but let's quickly touch on the atlanta game tomorrow night the Raptors are in Atlanta to take on the Hawks. The Hawks are not very good. They are a team of children. John Collins is suspended. Trey Young's awesome and putting up great numbers, but uh, they're not translating to wins just yet. They, I think the premature assignment of a playoff spot or even you know the flirtation with a playoff spot to the Hawks was a little bit uh, overwrought in the preseason. Uh, children don't win basketball games. It just kind of is what the deal is. Um, but... I don't know anything in particular from this matchup that you're excited about seeing. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Trey Young as a player, um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. And uh, I obviously, you know, it's proven in the league that it's not often that kids just show up and win in the NBA. There's sort of a learning curve, and but I do think it's unfortunate that John Collins is, is out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he got himself into this mess, and uh, but I think. There, when he when he was around, that was definitely they, they were probably at the top of my league pass options, because um, those lobs are just always awesome. And then and then <laughs> you got Trey doing his own thing. Uh, so yeah, I think um, I'm excited to see uh, Trey Young and the Hawks. But in terms of competition, um, yeah, I don't know if this will be uh, too difficult for the Raps. And I mean, let's not forget. The Raps played the Hawks shorthanded um, when they traded JV and DeLon and CJ for Marcus All that game, and Fred and uh, Siakam dropped thirty, yep. if I remember correctly. Yeah, there was and no Kawhi in so, that one. Yeah, yeah. no. Um, so we might be in for a replay of that. Yeah, I. Uh... I, I fear for Trey Young. I feel like he might get boxed one in this one <laughs> or boxed one uh, by Nick Nurse, <laughs> considering there's not much else to really worry about on this team. Like, this will be the extreme of the sell to stop the one good player on the team thing that they tried to do to the Magic or to the Mavs last week. Um, and the Mavs decided to hit a bunch of threes. Um, and, you know, Luca was still able to get to the line a thousand times and it didn't matter. But, I would imagine Trey Young is going to have himself a tiresome evening, just like with Fred Van Vliet up in his grill and a bunch of bodies coming his way. And like the Hawks uh, don't shoot threes very well. They have uh, not many good three-point shooters in the lineup. Jabari Parker's at like 29%. DeAndre Hunter's at 36 and he's like their best guy in terms of guys who's playing a lot of minutes for them. Uh, so could be troublesome. For the Hawks tomorrow, I look forward to it. The Hawks are usually pretty fun. Trey Young is still a blast to watch, and the Raptors are really good. And I would imagine they're going to win that game pretty handily. Uh, and then we will be back on Monday, I guess, to talk about the Sixers game and tee that bad boy up. Are you uh, going to be at the Sixers game Monday? Yes, I mean I anticipate being at the game Monday. We'll see. Hell yeah, maybe still- we uh, <laughs> maybe we hook up for a little podcast when we do that. 
just 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 yeah. just an idea yeah um i don't know why we're planning this on the podcast still we could do this after we're off but whatever it's friday and i'm ready to mail it in uh <laughs> that's gonna do it for today's show vec do you have anything you'd like to promote uh yeah just uh look out for that report that i'll have out um later this evening and then carrying us into the game and yeah besides that you can follow me on twitter at vivek m jacob and follow everything we do at yahoo sports canada yep you guys do awesome stuff over there uh you're kicking ass as always and uh appreciate you coming on man you can find me at woodley sean please subscribe rate review itunes stitcher spotify google play uh all that good stuff and we might have an episode over the weekend katie and i might talk about the serge Ibaka how hungry are you episode with charlemagne the god uh haven't watched it yet i think it's up now um and we might do a little pod over the weekend Ooh, about that. Yeah. yeah but if not uh we'll be back again on monday to talk about the hawks game tee up the sixers game and all that good stuff. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks to uh, Vivek for coming on. Thanks to all the guests who joined the show this week. And have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.